What does professional development mean to you? One-off workshops? Lesson observations? How about instructional coaching? How would you feel about someone filming your lessons? If you're looking for a simple, impactful way to introduce coaching into your professional learning community, you'll love my guest today. Hey everyone, I'm Shane Leaning and welcome to Global Ed Leaders, a podcast about education across countries and cultures. I work in teaching and leadership development and in this show, I get to know the teachers, leaders and innovators making a difference around the world. If you like this show, I'd love to hear from you. I'm a big Twitter user, so you can find me there using the handle at LeaningShane and I'll respond to all messages. I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram, links of which you can find in the show notes. In today's episode, I speak to Jim Thompson, a guy who's been referred to as the most positive person in education today. Jim's been in education for 50 years now and is an acclaimed principal, collective ed fellow and passionate advocate for using video coaching to improve teaching. So much so, he's co-authored a book on it. I kicked off our chat today by asking Jim about his early career and his first experiences of professional development. Let's jump in. In my first job as a high school social studies teacher, the district had a policy that they had to put one negative statement in everybody's evaluation every year. And, and, and so, Shane, my, my negative evaluation piece was Jim has a messy desk. <laughs> so for six years while I worked there, I got wonderful observations of my teaching. Wonderful. And then growth areas. Jim has a messy desk. I never found that very helpful. Okay, I got to sign off on it. That's I got to get out of Dodge on this. And then every year, uh, the professional development, and I say professional development, not professional learning, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more, was, well, the, the, the teachers had no voice and no choice. It was outside in. And, you know, every year, the beginning fact, I mean, well, here's where you guys are weak and and. We love you. So we're bringing people in from Honolulu, uh, Toledo, and uh, wherever to, to to fix you. Because we're bringing in the top people to come and fix you. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't work. That dog wasn't hunting. We didn't improve our instruction. We didn't feel valued. And, and then I became a principal for 20 years. And uh, the first year, I had 86 teacher evaluations. 86 by November, Shane, I needed somebody to throw water in my face. I, I was dying. I was dying. Now, this was in the context of being a principal and, and, and stuff that goes on in the principal. And Shane, I love my staff. And I wrote, I thought, research-based affirming evaluations. But every evaluation conference where they came in, we had the conference, people ended it with saying, you know, thank God that's over until next year. Yeah. Same time next year, Jim. And I put a lot of work into this. I said, Shane, something isn't right. Something isn't right. I said, if our goal is to help teachers advance student success and well-being, and if perhaps our greater goal that in this process that we help us all to become better versions of ourselves, what we're doing ain't working, but we keep doing it. Year after year. So I said, we, we, we started at what might? And we, we started looking at things like inviting, not forcing, inviting people to reflect with video and really uh, operationalize this idea of partnership coaching. So I think those are the positives that we evolved to from a, 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 from a career of 
things being done to us, not for us, and, and not resulting in advancing student success and well-being. Yeah. And sadly, I think so many schools across the world are still in that kind of mode with you called it the difference between, I guess, professional development and professional learning. But I think that mode of just someone turning up to fix the school, maybe do a few workshops or whatever. And and this whole idea of one lesson observation a year and you just dread it and then and then it comes around again and, and you don't feel any better for it. The thing is that many international schools around the world still have that kind of model in place. So where did you move to? And specifically, I know your expertise in the area that you've developed a passion around is video coaching. So could you talk a little bit more about where that came from and how this solves that problem a little? Well, I want to go to somebody, you know, you have an international audience. Yes. And I and I want to quote somebody from the United Kingdom who I, I value so much. His name is Tom Sherrington. He's, he's teacher head on, on Twitter. And to me, th- this quote unlocked a lot of doors. He said, if we switch from thinking, is this teacher teaching well, to which students in the class are experiencing difficulties and why, we open up a different conversation. We really open up a different conversation. Instead of saying, well, you, you're, not, you're, you're doing something wrong as a teacher, and we need to have somebody come in and fix you. Uh, we've got to say, well, there's there's some things that are working here and there's some things aren't. Let's take a look at why the things are working, why they're working. And let's take a look at what's not working and, and why and why. I can't figure out why that's a crazy notion to begin the conversation. I just can't. I think we start from that premise. I also think that we, we try to look at this question, what does improvement look like? At 73 years old. In 50 years, 50 years in education, I'll tell you what it does not look like. It does not look like principal evaluation after principal evaluation, and I'm not throwing principals under the, under the bus. I was the New York State Elementary Principal of the Year. I was a principal for 20 years. I revered the principalship. But it does not look like standard traditional principal evaluation, and it does not look like outside, inside professional development versus professional learning resourced and sourced, beginning with asking teachers, inviting teachers, what do you need and how can I help you? And referring back to Atul Gawande, who is a a big inspiration to me and to Jim Knight, we said, if you want to get great at something, get a coach. I I love Ted Lasso. I love Ted Lasso. I don't know if they watch that in China. I still can't access that. And but loads of my friends are talking about this, that I need to take some learning from Ted Lasso. <laughs> but, you know, he's an interesting dude, but he, they, you know, the great soccer players in, in England need a coach. You know, you, as you, you quoted our book a little bit that, you know, uh, great athletes sometimes look to each other for, uh, to get better. But ultimately, if you really want to get better, if you're really serious about personal best, you get a coach. Mm. I mean, again, why is this notion so alien to our area of education. You know, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. it, it you know, I'm, we pride ourselves that a lot of the people we work with are teachers of the year. Our work is not to, we do not say we're going to fix your quote unquote ineffective teachers. That's not what we do whatsoever. We, everybody's in the party. Everybody wants to get better, I hope. Yeah. You mentioned there about that quote that I shared from your book. So your book is uh, uh, Introduction to Video Coaching. So using video in the classroom, right? 
And you say in that about this quote from using the analogy of an athlete, when they want to get better, they don't get peer feedback. They get a coach. And it's so funny because so many times we, I think in schools, maybe because, and we could talk about the barriers, I guess. I guess there's some barriers. People think there's not enough time or whatever it is that they kind of lean on, oh, just go observe your peer. But actually, you know, getting a coach involved in the process, someone who can discuss on the basis of what are the students learning rather than just how are you teaching, from my opinion. But what are the students learning? And let's start from that conversation is a more powerful tool. And probably how it's done elsewhere in other industries. For some reason, teaching has just taken a bit of time to catch up. You hit the nail on the head. This is 2023. You know, I started teaching in 1972. And we haven't changed a lot. We have principal evaluations. We have top-down professional development. And this is in a post-pandemic period where teachers increasingly feel that their voice, their choice is not listened to, that at least in the United States, I don't know what it is internationally, we have a growing and and tragic teacher shortage. People are not going into this field. They don't want to go into the field. And a lot of the folks that we invite into the field and become teachers, a lot of them don't stay. A lot of them don't stay. And I mean, this is, and this is going on year after year after year. So I'm not saying the things that we're talking about, we're going to cure all the world's ills, but I think it's a first step. It's a first step, Shane. That's why I'm so thankful for this conversation. Absolutely. And, and me too, Jim. To pick up on the point of the barrier that I hear a lot about instructional coaching is time. Is video coaching an area that might actually be able to help with that? Because it's about from my understanding, it's about bringing a video into the lesson so that teachers can actually watch themselves and a coach can also watch and that starts the discussion rather than the normal observation type of instructional coaching. Is that right? I believe so. You know, Jim Noyd's got this great phrase. He says that video reflection moves a culture of talk to a culture of action. But this is not hard to get going. I'm an old guy. The young people today, Sean, they this is not a big deal videoing themselves with their phone or an iPad. This is, they're not afraid of it. Yeah. Guess what we did during COVID? They videoed everything. Yeah. They were on Zoom, whether they liked it or not. So they had huge experiences on video. So you can start off real easy. You get a few early adapters. You don't, I don't force it. Get a couple of trailblazers on your staff. Say, I'll tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you a gift certificate to Starbucks. Would you do this? Would you video eight minutes of your practice? Identify a goal important to you to work on that you think is going to, that you can have ownership and buy it, but and will also help kids. And then you don't have to share that video with me. Just come and talk about what your goal is and and what your thoughts are. I mean, a couple people might take you up on it. Once they're hooked into this and they see the value, maybe you're going to tell two friends. That's a really nice way to start it. And I think you brought up a good point that we've probably got lower barriers to entry post-COVID and especially in in my sector. So international schools where all of the COVID disruption was really mitigated through online learning. Um, I'm not sure what it was like in the US, but in the UK, there was varying different, different methods because not all children had access to the technology at home or uh, multiple devices. But in International schools are generally, you know, dealing with fairly wealthy families, people with enough money to have these devices. So a lot of schools moved onto online learning. And then even more so, 
moved on to hybrid learning. I've worked with schools who have been still filming their class <laughs> in the classroom with some students there and some students tuning up at home. So in a way, teachers are kind of already pretty comfortable with the concept of video in the lesson. Absolutely. And you know what? My definition of luck is, Shane, when preparation meets opportunity. I think think we're on the road with a lot of people with this, and we just have to take the scary out of it. We have to invite, not force. I think that um, that if we're we're really serious about this idea of what does improvement look like and how to achieve personal best, I, I can't figure out how you do this without video reflection and without coaching. I just haven't figured that one out. But, you know, I'm open to discussion. Well, on that, Jim, would you be able to talk us through from your experience, maybe an example that sticks out to you of, of, of video coaching in action? What would that process roughly look like in a school if the school was about to start implementing it? Thank you for the question. I think it, this is all about developing relationships. I think what you don't do is what I did as a principal probably more than once is bring the whole staff in together and say, I just went to a great workshop. And so we're going to I know you're going to love it. I love it too. I just love it. I know you're going to love it. We're going to start video coaching and, and it's going, you're going to like it. I mean, it. you're going to like it. I mean, that that's not what you do. Do you want commitment or do you want compliance? I want commitment. Mm-hmm. I want commitment. So I would, I would go to indiv- some individuals, trailblazers, pioneers on my staff and buy them a cup of coffee or an adult beverage or someplace, not in school time, whatever. And, and say, Hey, look, would you be a guinea pig for me? I've got this notion that we're not, my, my evaluations aren't helping you as much as I wish they were. The, our, our professional development needs to be more about professional learning. And, 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 and here's a thought. Would, would you be willing to do video eight minutes, just eight minutes of your practice? And then you just look at it and you identify a goal important to you that you have buy-in and ownership and voice and choice with, but also would advance student learning. And then would share that with me. And, you know, if they if they bite, then they they do that. And hopefully they say, OK, I'm ready to share it with you. You said now, and, and the questions that you pose in the conference are not grandiose. They're not off putting. They say, well, yes, first of all, well, thank you. And here, and by the way, here's your coffee. I'm, you know, and talk to me about your goal. What was your goal? And why did you choose it? And how do you think reaching it is going to help advance student learning? And, and then you, went, you know you, what we do? We listen. We listen to the teacher. And then the gym night genius, the gym night genius, we introduce is the, the, the scale questions. On a scale of one to 10, where do you think you are right now with the goal? Some people say, Jim, I'm not even at a one. No problem. Some people say a seven. Say, okay, well, talk to me about that a little bit. And then you start advancing the conversation. Well, what would it look like if it were at a 10? What would you be doing differently as the teacher? But here's the money question, Shane. What would the students be doing differently if it were a 10? Because our goal should be student-centered. And and these are conversations. They're not answered in one conversation. It's an ongoing piece of and then the, uh, the role of the coach becomes paramount in the, ne- in the next piece. Well, asking the teacher, what instructional strategies do you have in mind to help you get there? And you listen to the teacher. But then the coach has got to do some research about maybe modeling, sharing some instructional strategies, or accessing folks out there, whether it be the teacher next door or somebody in Shanghai who, who might 
be further down the road on this piece because I believe the answer is where? The answer is in the room. This is not rocket science. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not requiring a million dollars in investment. It just requires a will and a desire to kind of look at maybe something that might be more helpful than we're already doing. I just love this approach and it is quite sad for people like us and, you know, who are advocates of instructional coaching to kind of see schools that still are not really engaged in this style conversation. So the teacher would record themselves, they would think of their own goal, then they would come to a conversation with an instructional coach, chat it through, think about, you know, rating where how they felt and maybe the coach's job would be to try and help them find where they would get that information to make the next step. And then is the idea that later they would then go re-record themselves and another discussion would happen? Yeah, absolutely. I love what you just said, because yes, let's say the conversation is, Jimmy, I'm at a five and we have the conversation. What would uh, 10 look like? What would you be doing differently? What would the kids be doing differently? And then sharing some strategies. Yeah, well, then we hope you're going to video again and maybe you come back and say, Jimmy, it's a six and a half. <laughs> It's, just, you know, we're, you're not going to get to 10 right away. Boy, anybody gets to 10 real fast. Uh, I'm, I'm skeptical. <laughs> okay. Well, well, talk to me about what, what made it a six and a half, not a five. What were you doing differently? What were the kids doing differently? And would you be willing to share a clip from the video where you thought was a key moment? Well, maybe they won't, but we're building trust. We're building trust along. Mm. And, and, shame, and we can't be devastated if they video the second time. They say, oh, my God, it's a three. Oh, Lord, this ain't working, right, Jim? No, no, no problem. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. I love John Lennon. Uh, what happened? Why did it go from a five to a three? And let's have those conversations and let's help each other go forward because life isn't a linear progression of success after success after success. And anybody who tells you they got a program and it's success after success after success, I'd follow the advice of my graduate instructor at New Paltz. Hold on your wallet and call a cop because life is not success after success. But it's, it's well, what happened? And now let's get back on it. And I think that's where the, the integrity of this model really sticks with teachers. You know, it makes sense and it's honest. Absolutely. I'm picking up on the word you brought up, which was trust. And I think that's at the core of this this kind of method is building trust between between that teacher, between the, the coach. Have you ever found in your experience a conflict between being a leader and being and being a coach in the school? Does it work better with like maybe more junior leaders in the school or or can it work just as effective with different levels? Yes, yeah, good great question, Sean. You know, when I was the principal and I was trying to do coaching things, not to say I think a principal ought to uh, uh, look at coaching in aspects of that, but teachers still felt you know, what's the cartoon bubble? You're my judge. You're judging me. And I was a nice guy. I tried to be a judge. That's why I'm advocating for the role of instructional coaches separate from principals. And I really believe if you want to launch this effort and you want to be successful, we call it part of our secret sauce. It needs to be confidential and non-evaluative. Those have to be inviolate. Because then you build trust yes. and teachers will, will tell you on a scale one ten, Jim, I'm a two. Now, now Shane, when, during all my 20 years as a principal, when I talked, had evaluations, not one teacher started off saying, that lesson was really terrible, Jim. That was awful. And it was really bad. What, what do you think? Nobody said that. 
Nobody said that because it was going on their permanent record. And so when we have those kind of conversations, no growth really happens. I think growth really happens when it's confidential, non-evaluative, there's trust. And the teacher looks at their video and relates to the coach that, Jimmy, it's a three. Yeah. Okay. That's the road where we really start getting better. I'm thinking many administrators or senior leaders, I, I don't know, they seem to get a bit anxious or clam up around the idea of instructional coaching. And I wonder if it's because they go, it's out of my control. I'm, I'm putting this into an instructional coach's hands. And what if I've got a teacher who I'm not, I'm, I'm not happy with? I, I need to be able to rate their performance. So have you experienced that with leaders you've worked with? This kind of like, you say about trust from the teacher to the coach, but there's an awful lot of trust, I guess, from the, from the leadership team too. You're right. But why are we in this work? Christian Newberger said it best. He had a diagram of why we do this work. And in the center, he said it's because it, we're in it to advance student success and well-being. Well, I think we have to go back to our true north. We're not in it to make my ego feel better. And believe me, I was a principal for 20 years. And was I defensive at time about some of this in my early stages? I sure was. But when, when we come down to it, say, why are we doing this work? Why are we showing up in the morning? Why are you getting up in the morning despite all these challenges in your role as a school leader? We're getting up to advance student success and well-being. And how are we doing right now? How's that working for us right now? And I think if we're honest, I think we could do better. I think we could do better. If we're not asking ourselves and we're saying, you know, I just this is a good question, Jim. But, you know, it's, I, my, my quadrant of urgence has just filled up. I haven't got time for importance. So we do that year after year after year. And it's not a victimless crime shame. That means students are not getting the pedagogy, the engagement that they might have. It means that we're not helping people grow. We have professional development without professional learning year after year. And so at the end of a 30-year career, Shane, we have one year of experience 30 times instead of 30 years of experience. Yeah. And we keep doing it. I was part of it too. And I'm just saying right now, there's a better way. There's a better way. And at least let's start taking some first steps to see how these ideas and these ideals might play out to help us all advance student learning and help us all to become better versions of ourselves. I love that. And I love how you mentioned earlier about to kind of prove it for yourself as a leader, start small, start small with a, a small group of opt-ins and try it out, see how it works in your school and see how flipping that approach from that, as you called it, that outside in to that teacher-centered approach, see how, how that works, what benefits start to come. Would you be able to summarize what you think the key benefits of a teacher-centered approach to professional learning would be? What does John Hattie say? John Hattie, what is the greatest driver? If I remember, I'm old, but if I remember Hattie's research, the biggest driver of learning is collective teacher efficacy. Yeah. Right? Collective teacher efficacy. This idea that we are, we are noticed, we are affirmed, we are celebrated, we are all in this together. And we're not there, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet, but we can get there. I think this does everything to kind of unleash that Kraken. <laughs> and hallelujah. Many years ago, we looked at colleges for our daughter many years ago, and I told her, don't look at the buildings, Jen. Talk to the faculty. The magic of a college is not the student union. It's 
how engaging the faculty are. And I made her visit a lot of faculty. Same thing here, Shane. I mean, I don't know about international schools, but in America, we have the, like 9,000 steps of interviews before we hire somebody because we say the teacher is the talent. Yeah. And then we hire them and we don't give them voice. We don't give them choice. In New York State, the principals have to do 20-minute unannounced visits. How honored do you think teachers feel with a 20-minute unannounced visit? You think a brain surgeon would advance their profession with a 20-minute unannounced visit from their colleagues and that's it? I mean, this is crazy, isn't it? But we keep doing it year after year. And people like Casey Kazorik, the superintendent of Hilton, doing marvelous things. We have some pioneers out there saying, well, let, let's try something different. Let's try something different. So this is not radical. People are, are doing this throughout the world. I say, let's take the first step. Where would you go in terms of that first step for the schools if they want to go find out more and get trained in this kind of area or start to learn more? What, are there any places where you think are a good spot to start? My guru is Jim Knight. Yeah. I mean, I think he is the GOAT. He has the TLC conference every year, the teaching learning. It's the, it's the biggest and best international instructional coaching conference in the world. It's going to be in Orlando this October. You still can register. I would go to places like Rachel Lofthouse, professor uh, of education at Leeds University in the United Kingdom. Go on Twitter, Collective Ed, C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-B, capital E-D. It's this International Association for Coaches and Mentoring. Mm. Um, we have, they have international fellows. I'm, I'm blessed to be one of the four international Collective Ed fellows in North America. Christian Newberger's work. I mean, I kind of would start there. I, I'll throw in a paid political announcement. Dr. Casey Kazorik and I have our book out there, A Quick Guide to Video Coaching on Amazon. It's only 13 bucks, and it kind of gives you a quick guide to video coaching. And, and, and we do reasonable work with Zoom to get you going. But if you say, I've got no money, Jim, I would buy Jim Knight's book, The Definitive Guide to Instructional Coaching. I would read that and then get a camera, get your, get your phone camera. And invite a couple of blokes. I have uh, friends in Australia. They use the word "bloke" a lot. A lot of a couple of blokes and yeah. and, and say, "Hey, if I buy a beer, I buy a Guinness. Would you video eight minutes of your instruction, or I'll buy a cup of Great Earl tea? Would you just video eight minutes and identify a goal, and then just chat with me? Now, I'm just see see what that happens because this is powerful. This is powerful when people start seeing they. They identify their current reality for maybe, in many cases, the first time in their life, Shane. You're so right, Jim. It's great you pointed out such a diverse library of resources that we've got at our disposal from your book, which I can really recommend. I've read cover to cover uh, yours and Casey's book, which is a nice, short, practical guide. I think that's a really useful introduction. But in the in the coaching area, I agree. Like, There's lots of free resources out there. You can even get you know, uh, me and you are on Twitter, kind of there's a really engaging education community who have a lot of discussions there. And in fact, you mentioned Jim Knight. I think he's recently released a few short courses, some like asynchronous courses. You can sign up. I think there's something like $99 and you can do quick introduction to this and that, which, um, which is, you know, so accessible for people now. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that the power of this is inviting people to listen to teachers. You know, I mean, to really listen to them, you know, Knight, Jim Knight's got five simple truths. The first one is we don't know what it looks like when we do what we do. 
and and we don't. That's why video is, is so powerful. And number two, we take it personally when people talk about our teaching. When we do the thinking for other people, they resist. If people perceive us as putting ourselves one up, they resist. That's why our coaching is partnership. It's not I'm the expert, you're the fool. No, that's not it at all. And unless people care about a goal, they aren't likely to achieve this goal. So are we interested in compliance or commitment? Are we interested in professional development or professional learning? I mean, the choice is yours. There's the fork in the road. You know, as Yogi Bear said, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. I like this because it kind of challenges that notion of this tick box method of the, you know, the 20 minute observation and I'll set you an objective and da, 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 da. And it's not bought in. It's not meeting any of those principles you talked about, but it's always argued that that's easier. But what you're saying, and, you know, by using tools like video in the process, it doesn't have to be difficult. You can kind of start a, a coaching process. It doesn't have to be this big alien, scary thing. Just get it going. And then it's about shifting the culture in the school. And it's so rare to hear of a school who started down a coaching practice who then decide, actually, no, this is not for us. Let's go back to the old way. Who, who talks about that? Nobody. Nobody. It, 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 you hit the nail on the head. We use Harvard's best foot forward research. How do you take the scary out of video? And, and that's where we started with the selfie. You know, you, you do a selfie of, of, of your instruction. You don't have to share it with anybody. But then identify a goal that's important to you. I started working at Hilton with Casey Kazorts, wonderful people, in 2017. And he said, well, Jim, he said, I'm going to give you 20 of our best teachers. And if they like it, you'll come back next year. If they don't like it, not. So the first assignment after meeting with them was introducing them to the selfie idea and said, OK, you got to do a selfie. And then you got to send me your goal and then we'll, we'll talk about it. And uh, the veil of torn in the class, I was told, was a lady by the name of Laura Mayer. And I hadn't gotten her selfie. And so finally, I said, gee, I, I sent her an email. I said, Laura, how's it going? She said, I'm on my 12th. I'm on my 12th. I, I can't believe how, how powerful this is. Uh, and, and, you know, with our research, with our work, we only ask people when we start this out to just do one selfie. More than 40%, Shane, more than 40% do more than one. And we only ask, do one. That's it. Better make it easy. You know, he's like uh, Lionel Richie, easy like Sunday morning. Make it easy. And some, a lot of people take four, five, six, seven, because for for maybe the first time in their life, they go, oh, well, you know, I, I talk too much. I answer all my own questions. I'm tired at the end of the period, but the kids aren't. Yeah. But they meet with a coach in a confidential, not a bit of a way, and everybody can be honest. Everybody can be honest with one another. And that's how you start getting there, don't you? Have you heard, Jim, of anyone using video outside of the, the classroom? Like, you know, as a leader, you're holding meetings, for example, or as you're holding discussions. Have you heard of anyone using, using video to reflect on their practice in those settings? We have, and we we encourage it if you really want to get better. I mean, I think we've asked uh, several principals I've worked over the past years, video faculty meeting. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, it's just the bane of teachers. Okay, at the end of the day, we're all going to go talk. And, and, and video faculty meeting, and with our coaches, when we train them as coaches to work with a colleague, we ask them to develop trust with a colleague. And would the colleague be okay with the coach videoing a, co a coaching conference? 
not to share with anybody, but for the use of only the coach to look at as their selfie, their coaching selfie, to identify a goal to help them be a better coach. Yes. You ask any sports coach, how long have they been using video? For eons. Am I right? Of course. Am I right? We have the thing they call the Super Bowl in the United States. These are supposedly the best teams. When one team goes off the field, the quarterback immediately goes to a bench and sits down with a coach. And what do they immediately look at? Film, right? Because it's real important to them to to be their personal best in the next play. They're not going to a colleague on a team and say, how do you think I'm doing? They want that immediate feedback. Okay, what's going right? What? How do we do better? Now, that's high pressure kind of stuff. But, I mean, this is not new, is it? That's right. It's it's and it's you know it's been known for a while, but in sports, for example, is the most efficient way to get outside of yourself and look look at your practice. And so uh, the question is, why aren't we doing it? Yeah. And how can I, in conversations with good people like you, how how can we invite people to? They, they, Shane, there's an old saying: you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink, but you can salt their oats. I'm in the oat salting business, Shane. I want to salt your oats a little bit. So you try this, you try this video stuff a little bit. See how it works. I love that. It's a perfectly accessible place to start. And it's really inspired me, this conversation, to go back to my work and think about how video can actually maybe be that more accessible start to getting coaching and instructional coaching into some of the schools I work with. So thank you so much, Tim. This has been a, a brilliant conversation. So useful. Well, the honor has been mine, and thank you for this opportunity. And Shane, thank you for the good work that you do. You know, Stephen Covey said we should live, love, learn, and leave a legacy. And you are you are leaving a legacy of hope and being a benefit to kids out there because we want to all help kids get better. And, and in that journey, we want to help get better too. So, So thank you. Well, thank you, Jim. You stole the compliment from me. So I, you know, I would echo all of those things back to you. And for any listeners, I really encourage them to follow you on social media. I can put your social media links in the show notes so that they can have a look. And I'll also link to those resources you mentioned so they can get started on their, on their video coaching journeys. Jim, thank you so much today. Thank you, Shane. It's been an honor. Thank you, my friend. Global Ed Leaders is hosted and produced by me, Shane Leaning. Original music by Guillermo Silva. If you like this show, please follow, subscribe, and help spread the word by sharing this episode wherever you hang out online. And don't forget to tag me and say hi using the links in the show notes. See you next week. Bye.